HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. It's a butter egg made from plants. Bring more customers in your doors with Just Egg. Start with a free sample at ju.st hrn. This week on Meet and 3, it's the final episode of our series on global trade. We're thinking futuristically, from China's ambitious plans for a new Silk Road to the future of borders and automation. If you're a banana, you know, it's easy to cross the border. But if you're a person who's trying to follow the jobs, uh, it's a lot more difficult, if not impossible, to do so in an authorized and safe fashion. They love food trucks and they love growing your own food because these things are not dependent on essentially government systems. So there's a whole politics to pretzels on the dark web. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. The average restaurant takes nine months to open. We've got the next 45 minutes to find out how to open one in less than one month. I won't waste my breath with a lengthy intro. Our guest today is Chef David Myers, and he opened Burger Bar pop-up adrift on Abbott Kenny in Venice in just 30 days. David is a Michelin-starred chef with concepts all over the world, and Adrift Burger Bar is his first restaurant stateside in over half a decade, so we're super excited to catch up. Um, so let's jump right in, David. We watched your sizzle reel while we were prepping for this episode on the website, and it was super cute, but like, tell us the real tea. Like, how did you actually get open in 30 days? <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, it was it was really crazy um, having this this you know forced downtime in Los Angeles. I, I literally wasn't able to travel anywhere, and um, you know had to put some serious goals forth given you know the craziness of the pandemic, et cetera. And so, um, not only was it um, you know enough to just do a single restaurant, I had to think about making it even more difficult. <laughs> by giving us a challenge of getting it up and running within 30 days. And so it just seemed like, you know, such a crazy endeavor to go after. And if we could truly achieve this, it would be, it would be something, something to really talk about. So we set it up like that. We set up the goal, we found the space. And from the moment we found the space, uh, it was game on. Usually it takes nine months to do a restaurant. Any of our restaurants around the globe, uh, it's minimum of nine months, usually a bit over a year. And um, in this one, I, I've never done anything like it. In fact, I don't think I want to open a restaurant anymore unless it's 
literally were able to do it in 30 days because it seems like such a waste. You know, it was amazing what you can do when you get a team together that's highly motivated, everyone's on the same page, and you're forced to make this, this um, you know, this thing happen super quick. That was the crazy part about it. It just kind of came together. So you guys went, David, from lease signing to serving your first burger. Is that your start and end? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was um, fine. It was really find the location. And no matter what, we're taking this location. This is happening. I, I don't even care if they have somebody <laughs> in there. We're taking it. That's that's kind of our mindset. We found it. I loved it. It was it was perfect. Um, and then from the very moment we sold our first burger, that's that's kind of the the telltale sign that, that we made it. You know, that was our end goal. So when we kind of mapped this out very quickly, uh, on basically a back of a napkin as we're wearing masks, talking this out outside. I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to find the location. We're going to get this thing sorted, make sure they have a kitchen. We're going to, we, we had a whole slew of lists. We basically had to condense that nine month critical path into 30 days. And in addition to that, we, we wanted to capture it on, on film. So we had to find that person as well that could follow us and, and just go through the whole process. And as I went through this in that condensed time, I realized, my God, there is a lot to do to open a restaurant. You know, you have the PR component, you have the marketing component, you have the packaging component, you have uh, the staff training, you know, what is the staff going to wear? Uh, what are the hours of operation? You know, and here's the big one. How much is a burger going to cost? And do we make any money with it? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's just so many variables that went into play on this. Um, and a, a lot of critical thinking had to happen on the fly. And so it was um, it was a, a really fun experience. It was certainly tough in, in many ways. But at the end, when we opened, it was hard to believe we, we even opened. Yeah. So the 30 days was like, a, it was like a personal challenge, basically. It wasn't like there weren't like outside sources driving this decision where you're like, we have to get, you know, we have the space and it has to be open in this amount of time. Not at all. No, we, it was really very much just kind of like, all right, let's, let's challenge ourselves. You know, what else do we have to do right now? We have nothing. We could stay inside and do nothing, or we can get out there, do something, try to get some jobs going for some people and, and launch this gives us something to do, something to look forward to and something to throw ourselves into. So that's, that's why we did it. Yeah. Are there steps in the process? Like, did it make you rethink how restaurants are, are opened in general? Are there steps in the process you're like, you know, where you're like, this really shouldn't take this long. And, you know, there are things that we can do more efficiently and better and save time and money for people. Oh, no question. I mean, I, I learned so much through this process. When you're forced to do something in a shortened amount of time or with less money than you normally would, um, it makes you think creatively. And I think this this experience has been nothing short of positive across the board in uh, guiding me and how I'm going how I'm going to do things in the future. So um, you know, I think we spend a lot of time, we waste a lot of time on you know developing the concept and you're already paying, you have a location, you're paying rent on a location while you're figuring out the concept, while you're working with architects and designers. and then it takes three, four months six months usually as they kind of build this thing out and have all of these delays. And it's just, it is unbelievable the amount of time and money that goes into launching a restaurant where it's, it's not like other businesses where you have high profit margins. We have very, very slim profit margins. And so the only business way to do it where it makes sense is to get open as fast as possible, spend the least amount of money and start generating some income. And, you know, this, this particular um, experience for us really highlighted that. 
David, tell us a little bit about the, um, uh, I have a lot of questions, question marks <laughs> <laughs> on this whole thing. So we're we'll definitely going to push you through it for the next 40 minutes. Tell us a little bit about, to start, the permitting and some of the legal things that, you know, aren't going to be persuaded in the same way that, you know, your, your designer that you're paying is going to be persuaded. How do you, how do yeah. you slam through the, the health department check? Absolutely. That was a, that was a tough one. I have to say, in fact, we were, we were delayed, um, four days from when I had anticipated we would open. We'd built in a little bit of wiggle room. We were delayed four days from our health inspection. So, um, there is no getting around that, you know, there, there, there's only so much you could do. So we, we hired an expediter to help us navigate the system because when you're dealing with any sort of government system, there's just layer upon layer upon layer, um, that you have to go through. And so we need somebody to just like literally peel those layers back as fast as possible, get us to the right person, get them in. And then we will literally, you know, hold their hand as we walk through every single detail of the restaurant. So there was, there was nothing missed. So I was literally there on site with them, walking them through every detail as they're like, well, what about this? What about that? Well, that's not going to work. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get that fixed in the next 30 minutes. Can you wait? You know, mm-hmm. so we, we really had to have, um, you know, our, our eye on the ball and also be ready to adapt. We had like literally a team of people standing by to jump in to fix whatever possibly needed to be fixed to pass. So that was, that was one thing that was, that was really good for us to get our head around. And then from the legal standpoint, um, it's amazing what you can do uh, when you pick up the phone and you talk to people yourself and you just, you, you explain the situation and you let them know our, our situation was this, like we're in the middle of a pandemic. We found a location. We're trying to open a restaurant. We've got people that are willing to work, who don't have jobs currently, who are ready to jump in and start to earn earning money. And we need to get this thing open. Can you help us? And I think from the moment we started to, to ask, truly just say, can you please help us? We, we want to get this open. We, we, we have great intentions here. Um, it's unbelievable what that did. I mean, it, like literally people who, when you first talk to them on the phone, who were very, uh, you know, stern, wouldn't even take your call initially, um, once they heard that, it's it's like they softened, they supported, they helped, and everybody rolled up their sleeves and they, they figured out how we can make this happen. Now, it's not to say that there wasn't hoops that we had to go through. And it wasn't to say that there was, you know, not challenges here and there because there was. But, you know, I want to use that mindset for everything going forward, you know, being really aware of, of asking for help when we need it and explaining the situation and talking with people and, and talking it through, I think, made all the difference in the world. So tell us... Um... Do you think that some of those things were, you know, do you think people were more amenable to working with you, not only because you're personally on the phone with them, but because of where we are in the world right now? Absolutely. And by the way, it wasn't because I was personally on the phone. What what I meant to say was that somebody was actually on the phone talking with them and somebody was communicating and explaining, basically telling our story, right? And And getting them to buy into what we're doing and why we're doing it. So it wasn't really about me. Nobody knows me on that side. It's just, I was just trying to convey to them the importance no, and the, the, the why. Yeah. yeah. And the why of, of, of what we're doing. Um, but certainly the pandemic, uh, you know, everybody's in this together. Everybody understands that there's serious issues happening. And I think once, but, but there's also a lot of people who are, are, 
a, a bit, you, you get numb to it after a while too. I mean, they've heard all the stories, they've heard the same sort of verbiage. So I think you just got to find a way that you can communicate openly, honestly with them and, you know, tell them our why. And that's what we did. And certainly because of the pandemic, it, it did, you know, there, there was a, a, it was a bit looser in some areas and how I found it in the past. What about like finding space and having a landlord who's, who's willing to work with you? Did you feel like because of the pandemic, that piece has, was easier for you? Well, I got really lucky. Um, and I find, and, and I'll tell you a quick little story before I segue into why I got lucky with it. But I found through my experience from the very first time I opened my restaurant, um, there's this great quote by Goethe. And I'm not, I can't quote it 100%, but I'll just give you kind of like a, a, a paraphrasing of it. But basically, he said that the moment that you commit yourself, that providence moves and all kind of things come into your favor to make something happen. And so the moment that we decided that, all right, we're doing this, it's like, you know, things started to open up that we didn't see before. So a guy who I knew who owned this particular uh, building and, 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 you know, all the restaurants and all the, all the outlets on this um, block, I knew him and I met him a few years back. And um, so I just called him and a good friend of mine knew him as well and had made another introduction in case he'd forgotten. So we just picked up the conversation and told him what I was looking to do. The space was empty. Nobody was in it. They were in talks with another party to take it over. Um, but, you know, hadn't signed anything and everything had kind of been stalled due to the pandemic. So it was the perfect time, the perfect place. Um, and he, once again, he kind of bought into what we were talking about, thought the idea was really fun and cool and why not? So, you know, he has an empty space. Why not let us come in and try to do something? Um, he's going to make something off of it. It's going to do some good for some people and, you know, let's give it a go. So we were really lucky in that sense. Um, we didn't get caught up in the, you know, the details, the minutia of, you know, how can we get the most money out of this, uh, this, you know, time of launching this? How can we get the best lease out of this? Or it, it, There wasn't any of that. It was really, really simple. We talked over the phone. We had a handshake deal. And before we even had anything signed, we were already in there working. Wow. Did you, and is this a long-term or did you guys, because I know it started as a pop-up. So tell us how that has evolved. Yeah. So it, it started as a pop-up and it still is a pop-up. Um, we, you know, we, we certainly are going to most likely do something with the brand. We love it. We think it's fun. We want to do it, um, you know, internationally for sure. Um, most of our restaurants are all international. And while it's great to be um, back in Los Angeles launching this, and we're going to certainly find a permanent base for it in LA, um, you know, we went into this with the idea that we just wanted to open up something short term and see what we could do. And, it, you know, while we did give some thought, what if this could be like this? We didn't focus on that. We really focused on the immediacy of getting it open and let's just take it from there. And so that's where we are with the location as well. I, there's so much uncertainty out there, um, you know, just in terms of real estate and, and business, et cetera. And we're only a takeaway uh, and, and delivery concept. And so really to make this thing thrive, uh, you know, we, we need to sit down, uh, inside, outside, we need preferably a beer and wine, um, liquor license so people can enjoy drinks to really make it, you know, um, to see, I say the business model come to life right now we're working at like, you know, a fraction of what it potentially could be, but we would love to find a location. We'll, I think, start looking seriously at either securing that location or finding a new one um, and, and letting this run. We wanted to see if people liked it, you know, if they were even into it. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's been a really interesting thing with what we're seeing happening is like pop-ups and people and like consumers really loving pop-ups and really like, you know, being willing to try new things because it is a takeaway experience and it isn't this huge commitment. Um, so I think it's been really fun to see people sampling and restaurateurs and chefs being able to like take that in as data for whether or not there's an appetite for a more permanent concept. And at the same time, I think it's nice to see that people have a low risk option of testing a concept. I mean, I think five, 10 years ago, you're either all in or, or not, yeah. you know, or you're, or you're broken up <laughs> yeah. back to square one somewhere. Um, so, so yeah, it's nice to see how were you, what was your, um, what was the feedback and such from, I assume you have partners and investors, um, as with the other restaurants, what was, what were their thoughts on this idea of, you know, shoving into a space in 30, <laughs> excuse me, in 30 days? Oh, they all thought it was crazy. It's not possible. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. How can you do it? Um, really? And then, okay, let's see. And then as it's getting closer and they see everything coming together, it's like, oh my God, this is really going to happen. And then you set yourself up for expectations for the future, which isn't great. So, <laughs> you know, um, but, but regardless, at the end of the day, it was the right move. It was the right play. We put a very lofty goal. We went for it. We achieved it. Um, and I'm really, really proud of it. I'm proud of the team and how they, they pulled this off. And the fact that everybody during this incredibly unprecedented, difficult time was able to roll up their sleeves, come together and just have this singular focus to achieve something great. It was, it was unlike any other experience I've had. I've been very happy with all the restaurants we've opened and, and proud of everything, of course, but this one was, was unique and special and, and certainly unforgettable. You talked a little bit about the, you know, some of the differences of what the space or the concept would need if it were to be a long-term um, project. Were, were there other smaller things that in building that that you can think of off the top of your head that you know might not necessarily stand the test of time, but it's, you know that you were able to do in thirty days? But yeah, I think you know, I have to say what we have right now works and is sustainable. And that's pretty amazing, you know, given right. what we had and, you know, we didn't go in and rebuild a kitchen or anything. We, we made it work and it works. Um, when I look at, when I say that we're like at a fraction of what the concept could be, um, you know, we're looking from an absolutely, I, you know, perfect scenario, perfect situation. The world is, you know, as the world was and we, you know, and we'd be operating that capacity. It's not like that. And so I think we maximized every little area that we could to benefit and, and thrive in this type of an environment. Um, are there things that we can add down the road? Sure. Are there things that we would want to definitely add? Yeah, no question about it. Um, but is it enough to say that, okay, the, you know, the concept isn't fully realized? No, I think we actually, we've, we fully realized it. Um, and, and we know what the, you know, the complete picture of it looks like when we're in a, a perfect scenario, if you will, where life's kind of back to normal. You can dine inside. You can, you know, we have a permanent space, things like that, where we're able to invest in, you know, a couple of other nice things to have. But what was really fun about this was I realized all those nice to haves aren't necessary. And you could actually do something really incredible, um, if you just get down to the bare bones of what it's about, which for us was, 
how do we deliver an unbelievable burger experience for takeaway and delivery? And that's it. How do we market it? What's the food like? What's the service like? What's the technological component like? How do we communicate with our guests? How do we, you know, every little detail like that, once we simplified it down to that very, you know, small core, it it got us hyper-focused and, um, you know, it, it actually worked better for us because we we could only focus on that versus all of the other variables of well, what if and how can we make it better and all that. We just needed to get a few things right. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based customers into your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier, with no cholesterol, and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st slash hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir fries, and French toast. There's also frozen, pre-baked, folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres called Just Egg mind-blowing. And Bon Appetit says, so good, I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st slash hrn. I'm curious about how the staff training and onboarding, because I mean, it can take a full month just to hire people. So tell us a little bit about how that process went down. Yeah, well, first of all, I've never done it before with masks, <laughs> you know, trying to communicate with people with masks and wearing masks. And, you know, they're looking at you and, and you're like, you didn't understand. You didn't hear me, did you? You didn't you didn't get that. OK, let me let me redo that again. Um, it was uh, it, it was a totally different experience, I have to say. It was very hands on um, and, you know, but hands on in the sense where we're six feet apart and we're really trying to maintain the, that that distance and respect the safety guidelines for our team and ourselves and, um, and, and to communicate that stuff, it was tough. But we did a lot of the training outside. The, the, the cooking was done in the kitchen with the people and that was a different ball game. And, you know, you're obviously closer. And, you know, um, it was just, I would say the most difficult part was uh, you know, having to communicate where normally people were able to watch your face and see visual clues and all of that and having, you know, uh, half of your face, the most important part gone <laughs> where they can kind of watch that and see what's going on was, was more of a challenge. So it slowed things down just a little bit, but we ultimately got there. You know, the thing about food, which is great is once they see it, you get it. Once they watch you do it, you get it. Um, so as much as we could talk, it was, it came down to really just doing and showing, like literally walking through the paces. This is how we're going to make this burger. This is how we're going to plate it. This is how we're going to wrap it. This is how it's going to be served to go. Um, you know, in the front of the house staff, this is how we communicate with our guests. This is how we communicate with, uh, people who call on the phone. We went through all those details, all those scenarios, just masked. 
just napped. <laughs> David, give me some of the, um, give me your quick, your quick list of concrete, what you guys had to do. Did you have to replace the floors, replace the storefront, put it in a brand new kitchen? What's, what kind of, what are we talking about in that 30 days? And, and then also how many people contributed to making this happen? Do we have a hundred people putting this thing <laughs> together? Is it like a movie set and people just like running around everywhere and do it? Give us the paint us a picture. Absolutely. Well, um, it was basically like everything that you would have for a, a normal restaurant, but in a super condensed time frame. Um, so we, we had to uh, adjust the kitchen. Uh, we didn't redo it. We didn't rebuild it or anything, but we had to adjust it. So we had to fix everything. Uh, you know, we had to make sure the hoods were working. They needed to be fixed. We had to uh, fix flooring, piping, um, drainage, uh, bathrooms. We had to put some money and time into all of that, which was really unfortunate. Um, you know, given our time frame and given trying to keep costs low, that, that was a real challenge, inheriting something. Um, and making those those changes because those are always really expensive. So we had to do that. But the bare bones of the kitchen um, was good enough that we could work with it. It had the equipment that we needed. We just had to fine tune the equipment. It was like, you know, pulling out a vintage car, dusting it off, cleaning it up, polishing it, and then all of a sudden looking under the, the hood and realizing you've got to change a lot of the engine around. So right. that's what we did there. Um, in the dining room itself, we, we didn't do anything, but we did inherit a really cool hostess stand that we, uh, did some Japanese, uh, torched wood treatment to it and used that as kind of our, um, takeaway counter in the very front of the restaurant. Uh, we had to hire, um, a designer. So my very good friend, Danny Gonzalez, uh, he's, he's done some amazing pop-ups for us before the guy's famous for doing a lot of um, retail boutique stores and some of their their really amazing infamous designs. He's done some of the cool things for the luxury brands. So he came in and took this challenge on, rolled up his sleeves and said, yeah, no worries. I can do this in 30 days. He was in the our, our, our 30 days to launch show that you can see him, but he's a genius. And he looked at the space and he goes, all right, we're going to do the outside. We're going to change the facade. We're going to take this patio on and we're going to make this patio something really, really special. Uh, and so we invested all of our time and energy in the kitchen to make sure it works in the facades because nobody's coming inside the restaurant to dine and on the patio because at the time and now outdoor dining, you know, was, was working. Mm -hmm. So we put all of our energy into that. So we had a design team, design team do that. Then we had to bring on, uh, uh, a design team to do our branding. Like, you know, we had to, we had to set the restaurant up. We needed a website. We needed to create our Instagram handles. We needed to get our logo done. We needed to get our graphic identity done. We needed to get our packaging done. So we brought on an amazing team called Us Design. Um, Brandon and Eliana are running it. They're, they're amazing. And so they put together this, this package. When I told them we have to do it in 30 days, again, these things usually take like four months, five months. Mm -hmm. uh, they were game. They're like, all right, let's do it. Oh, and by the way, it's on a really reduced budget. I said, we don't have a typical, <laughs> um, you know, uh, package for this type of a thing. And they're like, we're all in, we're here to help whatever you need. Let's do it. So these guys were, were absolutely incredible. And, and, you know, they brought it together. Uh, Jamal Lane, who does all of our music in the restaurants, I needed him to create two playlists, one a more mellow one and one a more upbeat one for different times of the day, uh, and help us outfit, uh, the whole place with Sonos. So he did that. Uh, he was amazing. He's done our restaurants globally. Um, and then we reached out to a couple of other friends that have helped us on 
uh, launching restaurants and, and all that to get their help and support. Had to pull in some team that I've worked with before to help me, you know, from the culinary side to launch. And, um, you know, so that was it. It was a very small team. It wasn't a hundred people. It was like five. And, um, and then obviously so- Sophie Kipner did our artwork. We, um, we talked with her about helping us, you know, create an ambiance on the patio with her incredible art. She does this amazing linear art and create a scene that just really highlights the vibe of Venice and adrift. Um, and she put that into play, which is incredible. And then finally we reached out to a Japanese, um, uh, florist to do a pop-up within a pop-up. So he, he has an incredible brand called Bozu with all these really cool Japanese plants and Japanese pottery that he's made. And we asked him if he would be open to putting these plants in on outside of the patio and we'll sell them. So we, we created a, a cool little storefront, if you will, on the patio for him. And, uh, and then we've been selling his plants. People love it. It's, it's just really cool. The idea was I wanted it to feel like, I wanted the patio to feel like you're in Tokyo. And as you're walking down, one of the alleys, you look around, you just like happens in Tokyo often, you find the coolest little shop, the coolest little stand. And so that's what we created with Bozu. Cool. Cool. It's really smart way to work together. Yeah. I'm curious before we move on to lightning round, which given the conversation, I feel like you'll be very good at, um, (laughs) the, I'm curious about how you have experienced, um, the pandemic differently at all of your restaurants, since you do have so many restaurants globally what can you tell us a little bit about that yeah everyone's been impacted i mean you know business is down across the board no matter what in, in all of them um singapore was hit first uh everything got even closed in singapore for about four months um the borders had been closed um with with nobody coming in singapore is uh, a very small city state anyway it's about five million people um Actually, no, sorry, 7.5 million people. And, you know, relies heavily on tourism. We are in a, a hotel, Marina Bay Sands, which is, a, you know, um, Huge hotel, the yeah. most recognized hotel in the world. Uh, and, and basically, they, they averaged a very high occupancy, like 98, 99% every day, and it plummeted uh, after the borders were closed, obviously. And so all of our restaurants, you know, have, have been impacted. Singapore, Japan, um, you know, Dubai, everything had, you know, Dubai went down to reduced um, occupancy of like 30% maximum for indoor dining. Um, and there, there is some outdoor dining, but not every place has outdoor dining. So we've, we just had to deal with it. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. Like, like so many other restaurateurs, it's just, you just have to deal. You've got to find a way to pivot. You have to figure out what you can do. Um, it's, it's a new experience at the time, a new experience for all of us. And we had no idea how long it lasts, what we need to do, et cetera. But it started in Singapore first. And I remember being there in March, flying back here March 17th, and the world shut down on the 19th. And I remember just knowing, by the way, when I was coming back through, I was, I was scheduled for another flight to Dubai two days later. And I'm like, this thing is going to hit. It's going to be horrific. It's definitely going to hit the U.S. It, 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 when I landed, nobody seemed to recognize that something was going to be coming, right? I mean, I had been wearing a mask off the plane. There was no mask. There was nothing here. But coming from Asia, where they were used to this experience, um, you know, with SARS, they, they were a bit more prepared. So I remember one day walking out of the restaurant, you know, typical traffic flow, 40,000 people cycling through. Uh, and in one hour, everyone had masks on. Mm-hmm. that's, that's the big shift. So, you know, I think 
what's amazing is um, globally what I've seen, and I, I um, just came back from Dubai, finally first trip in a year, people are going to be flooding restaurants as soon as it's safe to do so. They, they just will. <laughs> Dubai, 80% of the population is vaccinated. Restaurants were, again, they're at a limited capacity, but they are packed. You're months in advance to get a reservation. People are living like it was pre-COVID, aside from wearing masks everywhere. And they are, it's the, the vibrancy, the buzz, the hunger for, you know, eating, shopping, socializing is unbelievable. And so getting a glimpse of that and understanding like that's going to be coming back makes me so hopeful, makes mm-hmm. me so very hopeful and excited, um, you know, to, to keep running, you know, keep the momentum going. And, and you know, it, it makes me hopeful for our industry. Although it's not helpful right now because we're all still <laughs> yeah. suffering. So as much as I could be hopeful, I, I'm fully aware, fully aware of our challenging situation. There's no question about it. No, yeah, I think it's I think it's great to hear, and I think we could easily do another hour chatting about how how to look forward at, at a place like Dubai that's it's doing so well. I didn't realize that anyone was eighty percent vaccinated. I knew Israel was pretty far yeah. had a lot of their population vaccinated, but I didn't realize Dubai. That's all right. Israel is number one and UAE is number two now. And just the mindset, the shift, being able to see that, it it just, I think just will provide such hope for people to understand that that we are going to be out of this. We're going to survive. We're going to navigate. And, um, you know, you can kind of see what's happening. I mean, Israel had had such a favorable response after the vaccinations. It's like, it's unbelievable to see the change. It's shocking, they said. Um, And they're almost, they're almost fully vaccinated. And Dubai will be in a, in a month or so. So, yeah. That's really reassuring you to hear. First to go out and make your reservations now. Because it's going <laughs> to be hard. Absolutely. We were literally Get talking about that this morning on the way into work. That I, I feel like because of the capacity and then as soon as people are ready to able to get out, they're going to get out. And then there's going to be like this flood on the restaurants that are left and you're going to be all backed up. So make your reservations now, folks. It, it really is true. Day after you're fully vaccinated, you're beginning a three-star Michelin, <laughs> Michelin reservation. That's the goal days. in 30 days. Let's do lightning round. Yeah, let's do some lightning round. Um, all right, so first question, what is your favorite burger on the menu? Oh, gosh. Well, it's it's the DM burger. It's the original. It's a classic. It's the one that my um, my mother had used to make me as a, as a kid, and we just kind of tweaked it. Um, but it's the one that, that um, everyone seems to love. This is the same burger that was New York Times quote unquote yes. perfect burger. That, that's cool. that's right. Yeah. Well, as soon as we can fly to LA, we will be coming for that DM burger. It sounds amazing. <laughs> we would love to have you. Love to have Which, you. Um, is that the does that one is that the one that sells the most on the menu or is it another one? Uh, that that one sells the most hands down. But the second one that just just also is is very close is our Adrift Burger, and that's a burger that we launched in Singapore uh, at Adrift, and it really represents the the vibe of of Singapore as kind of a melting pot, you know. So that burger, um, I I personally love it. Every time I would fly to Singapore, I'm off the plane, I immediately go to the restaurant and order it because I you know <laughs> I'm craving it. But basically, it was a you know we brought um, sort of the unique unique uh, aromas and flavors of, of Singapore to that burger. It's a tomato ajwan jam, uh, gruyere cheese, um, shaved Parmesan, pickled jalapeno, arugula, 
and just a stunning mix of of beef and, and the the array of fat uh, to to the meat is perfection. And so when you eat this burger, it it feels like an absolutely perfect meal. It really does. Like it feels like you you've covered everything. You got your meat, your veggies, and your starch. It's like perfect. So I, I love that when people um, when when they have it, they're like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever tasted. This is amazing. I've never had anything like this." So it's a really fun burger. Now I want a burger. So no, um, that does sound <laughs> super too. delicious. Tell us if you have to do it again, opening a restaurant in 30 days or nine months. Oh gosh, that's a really <laughs> tough question. Um, I think from a, uh, from a business standpoint, um, I love the, I, I love both. I like the nine months cause you can really plan it out. You can really, you know, devote yourself to it. You don't feel like you're, uh, you know, working 24 hours a day on it, but there's something about that challenge. There's something about taking away all the comforts and the time where in a way you might do your best work. And so I'm game to go for 30 days again. Cool. Um, biggest oh shit moment when you were trying to get open. Oh my God. There was 30 moments of that. (laughs) 30 days. Every single day there was an oh shit moment, you know? Um, I, I think the, the the biggest one, because it just probably was the most costly or could have been the most costly, was really just in the kitchen. You know, it, it looked like it was this beautiful, innocent little kitchen. It had, you know, our fryer, it had our little flat top, it had for, for cooking the, the burgers, it had an area for plating. Everything looked great. It had a beautiful little three compartment sink and the dish machine. And it just, I walked in, I'm like, how did we get so lucky? This mm. is fantastic. Little did I know that this thing was possessed and like every little problem that you can imagine we've had. I mean, just, and it continues. It's, it's astounding. So it is a constant management and it's just, it's amazing. It just looks so perfect and innocent and underneath it is the devil. Oh no. You need to get in there with some sage. Sage oh, we did. We did. No, we actually, we actually sage every day. I, I, all my restaurants have always done that every day before service. We've always staged. Yeah, this thing needs like a bonfire. But anyway. <laughs> oh no! Well, you're still pushing through. Um, yes. All right, last one. Tell us your um, best piece of um, business advice for prospective owners looking to think outside the box. Yeah, um, I think it is constant forward motion. Don't get caught up in the you know paralysis analysis of everything. If you have to sit down, write a business plan and wait for everything to line up perfectly, you've already lost your moment. Um, I think so many things can be created by, by people who are driven and have a great uh, vision around it. If they just begin, just begin, and then keep that momentum going no matter what. When we did this, we decided 30 days. Honestly, I didn't know if we'd even be able to pull it off. Like I, I, I didn't even know. I just knew that I was going to do everything I could to make sure that it did launch in that time frame, just to make sure we did actually launch. So the only thing I thought about was constant forward motion, no matter what. That became my mantra when I did this. So I think, you know, when I look at all of these incredibly smart, driven people out there who've got a great idea but haven't launched it yet, you know, my view is don't wait. Now's a perfect time to do it. In fact, when times are the most difficult, there is no better time to seize the moment and to do something like this. No better time. 
Yeah, I I think that's amazing advice, especially for the the moment that we're in right now, where there are so many you know things where you could say there's an obstacle. It's just keep it moving. That's exactly right. Cool. Um, awesome. That was really great advice. Um, we like at this point in the show, we like to shout out any opening soon announcements. So if there's any friends or restaurants that you've been to recently in LA or abroad, um, we'd love to hear about them. Uh, well, I tell you, I, I, one of my favorite right now, um, and I know there's more coming up from her, um, is Chef Kuniko Yagi of Picnico, who's going to be doing some, some new you know, she has ideas flowing constantly, but I think Picnico is going to be doing some amazing things um, soon. And she's got some other stuff up her sleeves. And so uh, she's one to watch. Cool. Great. Um, who do you have? Oh, I was going to shout out. We had um, three seasons ago on season three of opening soon. We, um, interviewed people who were in the process of doing something, some part of the business plan. And we had Tracy and Arjav from Birdies in Austin, and they have finally started build out after over hey, a year hey. and a half. Yeah. Amazing. Really exciting. So they should be yes. opening within the next six months. In Austin. So in Austin, Texas. For, for chance that's possibly slowed down. Hopefully they've done yeah, okay during the storm. During that storm. Uh, we will keep our fingers crossed and look out for when that gets moving a little further. Uh, we're, so we're like, we've had a great season so far. We're, we're really just kicking it off, but like, I, I really love the topic that we're talking and with people with these really creative ideas and doing something exciting during the pandemic. So if there are other people out there listening that are either doing something themselves or have a friend or um, a mentor or whoever, then, um, and they might want to share their story, then certainly reach out to us or DM us. Uh, you can, reach us at we are opening soon or at till at myc um david tell us how we can find you and the restaurant on uh, social yeah absolutely so you can follow on social at uh, you can follow me on social at gypsy chef uh, on instagram and twitter um and website is uh, adrift uh, by david myers.com you can also check out uh, adrift burger bar uh, on instagram as well Cool. Thanks so much. We loved hearing your story and uh, we look forward to one of those burgers. Yes, I'm craving it now. Thank you so much. Well, for- thanks, guys. I can't wait to have you out. It's been such a pleasure being on. Huge fans. Thank you very much. Thank thanks, you. Sarah. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place, and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.